looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my co-host this week, DJ Smith. We are managing partners of Victory Capital Group, a private equity multifamily investing firm. This week's guest is Brandon Johnson. Brandon's from my neck of the woods in Syracuse, New York, and we're going to be talking about his small multifamily and single family portfolio he's built in central New York. We talk about how he really niches down into certain markets in this market. And we also talk about his Airbnb model and what he's been doing with that as well, and how he really takes a lot of pride in the rentals he puts out there. So uh, Brandon's a great guest. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. With that, let's bring Brandon into the show. All right, Brandon, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great. How about yourselves? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this week's episode. If you don't mind doing us a quick favor and just introducing yourself to our audience, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So I'm Brandon Johnson. I live here in Syracuse. Um, I've been, uh, so I'm, uh, I run process property management right here in, in Syracuse. I have a few properties, just, uh, you know, my investment portfolio and I do some property maintenance for some other clients, you know, utilizing our skills and our team's systems. Um, other than that, I'm a nursing home administrator. So I run a 202 bed hospital based skilled nursing facility out in Utica, New York. I've been doing that ever since I graduated from Lemoyne College back in 2015. And uh, I was raised by my grandmothers. So it's a really great fit for me. Um, I just, little old ladies love me. So it's been a great, <laughs> it, it's, it's been great for me. And, um, you know, I take my dog, Fiona, she's a big bull mastiff. If you've ever seen any Loretto commercials or, you know, on Facebook, you know, that's me and her. So, um, so yeah, other than that, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a vet. I deployed with the Air Force back in 2016 and 17. Lived through the hottest day ever recorded in the history of temperatures. So I'm not Jacko Willick, so that's about the extent of my military. Uh, you know, my military. I don't have any cool stories like he does, but lived through a pretty hot day. So yeah, and I, I definitely I remember your dog because you brought her to a meetup once. You like came over and you like came in a little late and you brought this giant dog. It's like, oh my goodness. And you're like, yeah, she's going like, okay, that's fine. So that was kind of funny, yeah, um, but awesome. She moved at all that day. She just sat there right on the floor. That's what a very good doing. dog. I, I can attest to that. So, but yeah, thank you so I much almost, for coming on. I almost wish, I almost wish it was an unruly dog. It would have been much more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> a, a meetup people would have not forgotten about. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, no, Brent, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. So being that you graduated, you went from Lemoyne, you started working in kind of like the, the nursing area, assisted living area. How did you get into real estate? Where did you get the bug? When did that happen? So surprisingly enough, when I was 16 years old, I understood what the concept of a duplex was. You know, uh, you live in one floor, somebody else pays you to live upstairs and you pretty much, if, you're, if you do it right, you live for free. And I'm like, you know what? That's genius. Whatever I do, my first house is going to be a duplex. It just makes sense. So fast forward eight years from there, I got back from my first deployment and uh, I just said to myself, I'm like, okay, time to buy a duplex now. So this is maybe two, three years after, after I graduated from school, uh, bought my first, my plan was to buy one, then, you know, 
move into another one than another one. But I got a great house right here in Strathmore and uh, it's been great to me. I haven't never spent a dollar of my W-2 money to live here. And I realized after doing more research and getting into bigger pockets and, you know, reading, reading everything that you're supposed to do when you're, you know, when you have the real estate bug, and I'm like, wow, you know what? People actually do this for a living. So let's keep doing it. So, so it all started four years ago when I bought my first duplex. Let's talk about that first duplex for a little bit. So you, you mentioned you were in the military. Now, when you went to purchase this duplex, did you use your VA loan? Did you use an FHA, a conventional? How did you utilize this property? I used my VA. It was, it was great for me. So did you do like the, the zero down program? Was there anything special about it? Any hurdles with it? Or was it pretty straightforward? To me, it was pretty easy. I went through Navy Federal and, you know, that's that's kind of their bread and butter. And it, it was a smooth process for me. I'll tell you, I sat at the closing table and I still use the same attorney that I use. We have a great relationship, Chris Smith, for anyone in the Syracuse area. And, um, you know, it went by so quick. I looked at him. And I said, that's it. And, you know, that, that was it. We got the appraisal done. The house is in really good shape. So I didn't really have any problems with that. You know, I think if you go with a bank who doesn't like to do VA home loans, maybe you'd have a different experience. But mine was a really good one. Awesome. Like, love to hear that. So where did it propel to next? So you did the VA loan, you owner occupied a duplex over in that Strathmore area, or um, what happened next? So then I got my first off-market deal. So it was a friend of mine. She lived in the area over in Arlington. So in the same Strathmore area. And um, she just called me on a Friday and said, hey, we're moving tomorrow. Do you still want my house? I was like, sure, sure, absolutely. So I bought it off her. so a little short deal, deep dive, bought it off her for 83,000. Um, then I just went in, you know, my, I have a, a father who's an electrician and my grandfather was an electrician. So, you know, worked in the trades field. So I'm you know pretty handy myself and uh, just did all the work. I put about seven grand into it and um, refied it. I didn't, I uh, got 154 on the, on the refi. So almost, you know, almost doubled it. And um and now it's one of the, one of the top rated single family Airbnbs in Syracuse. So that was number two. Uh, from then on, I used that cash out refi to buy my uh, my third uh, my third property, another duplex right here in, in Strathmore, uh, about a block from my house. Uh, and I from day from month one, I took it from an eighteen percent cash on cash return because it was turnkey, great shape, great property, great runners. Um, and I doubled it and went from, uh, it's now sitting at a 36% cash on cash return. And uh, that cash on cash return was never any of my money. So, you know, it was the bank's money, paying the bank to pay the bank. It's a beautiful thing. Um, then I scooped up my fourth property, another duplex. This one's out in Auburn. So different market, but it's my second market. You know, there's a specific little neighborhood in Auburn that I invest in. Uh, so great property. I've got great terms on it and um, really great negotiating on the inspection. And uh, that was my, that was my third property. And I just picked up, or I'm sorry, my fourth property. And I just picked up my fifth one um, recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I picked up my second Airbnb house. It's three houses down from the other Airbnb house. And we're going to operate that as if we're going to do the same facelift to it, make it look nice with the same fixtures, same, same everything. And it's going to be another Airbnb rental. So uh, other than that, we have seven other duplexes that we got under contract and just waiting to close. 
Yeah, so there, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, always appreciate our members of the military too. So thank you very much for your service. Uh, glad the hottest day wasn't in terms of combat. <laughs> 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 and literally was based on temperature. So that's that's a good thing. Uh, and, and certainly for those listeners of ours that don't know, uh, Syracuse near and dear to Dante and I, Dante still located there. I, I'm down in the Southeast located outside of Charlotte. Um, you are specifically making inroads uh, in these properties, the few neighborhoods, specific neighborhoods you had mentioned there uh, up in the, the Syracuse or some of these neighboring cities, uh, Auburn, Utica. So with regard to your underwriting, a much different environment up there, especially with regard to some of the, the things you hear about like taxes and stuff like that. So can you just talk to us a little bit about your underwriting? Uh, and you've also now tied in uh, Airbnb. So what are you looking for uh, in terms of an investment property? What, what helps you to buy right and manage the property the right way? So I've actually, you know, I really niched down. I know exactly which properties I'm willing to buy. Um, I went through between Google Maps and the tax records and just driving around and becoming familiar with the neighborhoods, where those boundaries are that I'm willing to invest in. And I only invest in uh, what I consider like, you know, back in the day before they created the suburbs, you know that this is where the people were wealth um, live, close to downtown, nice park area, um, places where people want to live nice quality assets. So that's my first key. It's got to be in those two neighborhoods for me right now before I don't want to really expand much outside of that. Um, and then the other one is cash on cash return right now at this point. So I look for, you know, at least a 35% cash on cash return when I buy um, with uh, some sort of a value add opportunity, whether I can go in and improve the look of the rentals um, because I only, I hate when anybody ever say to you, Oh, you're a landlord. Oh, you're a slumlord in the same conversation. I, I, I saw an uncle over the weekend that I hadn't seen in a long time. And that's exactly what came out of his mouth. And I said, absolutely not. You know, uh, but so, the landlord has a little bit of that, that connotation to it, right? It, 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 when you think of landlord, yeah, you never think of Airbnb owner providing this awesome place. <laughs> no, providing a five-star quality, you know, environment. You know, that's all that I shoot for. I only put out, this is my brand. You know, I have, <laughs> You know my company, and I'm only going to be in this space if I'm going to do it right. That's just how I. That's how I do everything. So right. Um, so is is there much of an appreciation play up there? Because you know some of those markets have been stagnant for a while, right? In upstate New York, uh, <laughs> what do you see there? What do you What do you think is going to happen going forward uh, with those those kind of you know central New York cities? So this isn't down by New York City. This is what I was commonly referred to as upstate or in your case, actually central New York. Mm -hmm. What's happening in those locations? What do you see happening with the markets? Well, I can say, you know, we're definitely a cash flow market. You know, we're a Kansas City, we're a Cleveland. We are not uh, San Francisco. We're not Austin, Texas. We're not Seattle. And I'm not getting into this game to say, oh, I'm going to buy it today. And then all of a sudden I'm going to, you know, you either have to buy really low and you have to know what you're doing to have your construction costs in line. Um, or you have to just realize that this is a long-term play. And for me, this is a long-term play. You know, I'm, I'm 28. I plan on holding these for 27 and a half years. And then, you know, that, that's my plan at this point. You know, this is a retirement game for me. Um, and I'm creating systems in place so that I can make sure that, you know, we can continue to operate these for the next 27 and a half years or until we figure out something else. 
So no, I wouldn't say, you know, I think the Syracuse is doing a lot. Uh, I think that the mayor is doing a great job. He's really invested in working with both sides to figure out uh, how we create a better, a better city. You know, this is the first year I posted on LinkedIn. This is the first year that Syracuse has ever seen a population growth in, uh, in at least like a decade, uh, if not more. There was, um, and there's also been some of the first development in downtown Syracuse, uh, I want to say since like the 80s. It's been, you know, there's a lot of, and you, you see it, you just drive around. I lived here for 10 years. I'm not from Syracuse originally, but I've just seen it since I, I've moved here. We've seen a lot of growth. So no, I don't think that we're going to have this exponential growth where we, you know, like where you get the markets you guys are in, where you're seeing, you know, Dante and I, we talked about the amazing population growth that we have. We're seeing small growth um, and Amazon coming in, building that huge facility and being a drone corridor here. I see that as a lot of opportunity uh, for more industry to continue to come in. And I think, I think that we'll see it. Um, but again, this is a long-term play for me, you know, so I'm more concerned about, you know, make, having quality properties that I would assume that people are still going to want to live in 30 years from now. And I focus more on what, what money am I making today versus, you know, how much am I going to, you know, sell this 30 years from now? Yeah, no, I definitely hear that. I agree with that. You know, myself being pretty heavy in the Syracuse market, I see the difference in other markets. I've sold 65 uh, properties year to date in the central New York market. So I have a pretty good handle on how things work here and, and appreciation and cash flow and is a very cash flow heavy market. I have people calling me every day from around the country, even around the world. I have clients from Australia that invest in Syracuse because it's so cash flow heavy. Um, obviously it's a little bit different when you're in the university, the university kind of pegs a little bit more like New York city, um, where it's much more expensive. The cash flow is not as great, but the properties do appreciate pretty well. Um, and it kind of matches because of the money that's coming in. So New York city, uh, Manhattan students, New Jersey, even uh, a lot of students from China, it attracts that money. Therefore it's going to attract those type of returns, but other, other neighborhoods that you're investing in, such as the Strathmore, such as the Auburn those are going to peg off and throw off those higher returns. And so, you know, I get a lot of clients that do that. With that second deal, you mentioned it was a single family, you Airbnb it. What made you go to the Airbnb model? Because I did the Airbnb model and I did phenomenal at it. It, it did really well. But where did you get the idea to put an Airbnb in a single family versus a regular market rate rent? Well, so I was at a, I was at a meetup and I was talking with a guy who was doing it. He said, and I was always interested in the concept um, and he said, it's going great. It's going gangbusters. And this guy, you know, uh, same Steve, he said that it was, uh, he's focusing more on acquiring these because of how good it is. And, you know, everybody asked me who stays in these places, you know, who comes, because when you think of Airbnb, you think you're going on vacation. So that's what everybody does. Um, but people travel for work, they travel for school, you know, and there is, you know, it's not a tourist de destination, but we're still somewhat of a major city. So you have Syracuse University and four other big colleges here. Um, you have downtown, there is business and enterprise. You have Amazon here. You have people, um, traveling nurses. We have five hospitals in a very, you know, short radius of where, you know, I operate my, my short-term rentals. So, um, I've, you know, so I just took the jump and I said, well, worst case scenario, you know, we have a furnished rental, um, which couldn't be a bad thing. You know, there's, I have other avenues that I was looking into just in case Airbnb didn't take off. Um, or I can just put a long-term rental in there or easy enough, we can sell it. You know, it's, 
So to me, I was willing to take a risk. You know, I'm young. You know, it's just like when you're meeting with your financial advisor and he says you can put your money into a more risky funds because you're young. This is kind of how I felt. I said, let's just take a chance on it. And uh, it's done even better than I expected it to. So I tripled in the entire summer. I tripped more than tripled uh, the rent that I would have gotten just from Airbnb. So, yeah, I mean, the Airbnb is a really powerful model. I've, I've used it too. And again, why are people traveling here? Some of the biggest reasons was the university. So Syracuse mm-hmm. parents were always coming in football games, basketball games, whatever mm-hmm. that is uh, events at the state fairgrounds, whether that's the, you know, the auto show or, or the boat show or the state fair or the gun show. And then I, uh, there's, you know, like you said, traveling nurses, there's a fertility program local. So these are all things mm-hmm. you need to look into when you're factoring in an Airbnb, even though you might not be in a, a massive growing city, there's still reason for people to come in and visit. One of the, the weirdest ones I had someone come in for, I had a group come from Germany for a laser tag tournament in Baldensville. <laughs> I, you know, I just thought that was like the weirdest and most random thing, but I, I thought they're lying and I looked it up and it, it, it was true what was going on. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Brandon, talk to us about your team, your boots on the ground a little bit. So as you've built this portfolio and as you're building this portfolio of properties, you obviously have team members you need to uh, bring on. You can't do everything yourself, especially when you start to get to that larger unit count. So talk to us about some of like the key members on your team, whether that's a maintenance man or, or like you said, your attorney. Sure. So, I mean, I have the, the core, so some people say core four, but I have, I would say the core five. So I have a great attorney, a great accountant, uh, an accounting firm. Um, I have the agent, I have an insurance guy, and I have a financial advisor, all people who I trust and, and uh, meet with on a regular basis. In terms of my internal team, I have, um, so I have a, a woman who, who works for me in like an, an assistant capacity. Um, she, anything that needs to be done on a computer or just, you know, that, that stuff that an executive would hand off to an assistant, which I'm really used to from being a nursing home administrator. Um, she's doing that for me and she, she does great because she's that type A personality that you need whenever you're growing an organization. I have my maintenance superintendent. We have a few maintenance guys underneath us, um, you know, who pick up work from time to time. And uh, I used to, prior to four months ago, I used to be the guy who was doing all the work on the properties. Uh, I figured that that's how I would save money. Um, But ultimately, you know, I've realized ever since, you know, I had a bad concussion four months ago and I couldn't work. I had two uh, rental units that needed to be flipped and turned over and I couldn't do anything. So I had to rely on him and some other people and start using subs. And um, I realized that that allowed me to continue to do what I'm really best at. I'm not the best at all at any of the trades, but I'm really good at being an executive and just you know, providing the direction and leading the team. So I just focus on that. And my business has grown and myself, I've just grown so much ever since I pulled away from the stress of being at a project, you know, going to work and then coming home and painting until two, three o'clock in the morning and getting back up in the morning, going back to work and repeating the process over and over again. So I have that. And then I have a woman who helps me, uh, a woman who helps me with the guest relations. So uh, my favorite part about my Airbnb portfolio is everyone asks me, wasn't that a lot of work? And I say, not for me. Uh, I have her. She just um, she handles all the interactions with the guests. We have a, uh, 
one of those locks that has a keypad on, right on the lock um, to get in and out. So we reset that every single time somebody comes and stays. She answers any questions that are there. She maintains the, she checks all the linens to make sure that we have, you know, we don't have stained linens or torn linens or quality towels and make sure that every couple of months we take it offline for a day or two so we can do a deep clean and make sure that we have a quality place and uh, coordinates with my cleaning team. And what I'm most excited about to say is that the majority of my cleaners that work for me are all people who used to work for me in the nursing home that I used to work at about a mile away. So, um, so I, I have a really solid team of people around me who are just excited for the growth and believe in the growth and um, are just committed to you know growing this this company and and um, and, and working with more more clients that we want to bring on at some point. You see, you mentioned the assisted living. Um, am I using the right term there? Uh, scaled nursing facility, nursing homes. So okay. assisted living is the step the step below a nursing home. But. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So I want to, obviously I don't operate in that community. <laughs> <laughs> Most people so, don't. Yeah. I wouldn't have known if I wasn't in that space. So, uh, but anyways, so you have though, one of these properties too, that you manage, right? Or no, I, was I'm that in the home. past? I'm, I'm a nursing home administrator. So I, I work for a hospital-based nursing home. Okay. Yeah. So that's not a property that you manage then. No, that's my W-2 job. Gotcha. So, but which is really cool that you're still doing your W-2 job. You've had all these practices going on uh, with the research. So to me, that's just a great example, especially for younger people, right? You've done some of the house hacking. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen the benefit of that. Now you've tagged on to that. You've moved into the, you know, the short-term rental world. Uh, it, all that's a pretty amazing story. So I want to take it back to the specific neighborhoods. You specifically mentioned criteria. You've looked at some neighborhoods and targeted some neighborhoods in Syracuse, Auburn, Utica that you like. What do you like about them? What are you looking for? So I'm not going to lie. Maybe this isn't the best way to think from an investor standpoint, but um, the neighborhood I live in, it's a historic neighborhood. Um, and you know, like the, the mayor and the county executive, they live right here in this neighborhood. Um, so I, I don't want to, like, I look for a place that I would feel comfortable to put my grandma in. Again, I'm from a very small farm town, not from a city. Um, and there's just spots in the, in the, in the city that I wouldn't want to deal with. You know, out in Auburn, they have a very large prison. And right around the prison is some of the worst areas, you know, not the worst areas, especially compared to Syracuse. But they're just not areas that I would feel comfortable putting my grandma in. So, and if I stay away from those areas and I only rent to people who can both afford and um, want to live in these areas and would value living in these areas, then it makes my job a whole lot easier. Um, specifically in Strathmore, since I live right here in the neighborhood, you know, I take my dog for a walk just about every day. I like the fact that I can um, check up on my properties. I can visually see them. I can drive around. I can see all hours of the day and night, you know, what's going on at these properties. And I just don't, um, you know, I'm specifically targeted, you know, where, you know, it just makes sense for me. You know, I know the area, I know the rents and, you know, instead of uh, I can walk into a new property when I take it over and say, listen, this is what I charge in the neighborhood for a very comparable property. Not even just what comps are. These are what my comps are. So um, for me, it just, it just makes sense. Yeah. I like the specific nature of what you've done because so many people in real estate get lost. Uh, and Dante and I have told the story over and over. It's like, you know, somebody turns on a light and you're the moth. And this is the new real estate idea of the day or the week. 
Mm-hmm. And then somebody else turns on another light and there you go. And if you don't have that traction of being specific, so what's really cool about you've done is the specific neighbor or nature of which you've targeted these areas and they have a look and a feel, which to me, it sounds like you're comfortable with mm-hmm. and you found a way to capitalize on it. So I just, I wanted to point that out because I don't think people can hear enough that getting specific in real estate and picking a direction and moving in that direction uh, is certainly beneficial to you advancing in the real estate field. Uh, the riches are in the niches. So, and I, I realized that, you know, a while ago and I just, I've been very intentional and uh, it took me a long time to get to this point, you know, especially when you don't have any deal flow coming in or, you know, you're only at house number two, maybe it's easy to say, or get shiny object syndrome, like you're talking about where like, Oh, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do this. Uh, but just really trying to be intentional on what I'm doing. You know, our core values as a company are we win. We uh, wow every client with quality customer service. We're intentional in everything that we do and we never make any excuses. And that's what me and my team, that's what we live by. So what Brandon, what's next for you? So what do you want to do with the company? Where do you want to take it to? Do you have any goals in sight that you want to reach to? Sure. So like I said, I'm very specific. I have every single address um, in which I'd be comfortable with buying every duplex. And I'm not really trying to expand the Airbnb too much. I'm trying to have that grow organically. Uh, I, uh, on that same block, I have another neighbor who's two houses down in the other direction from the original Airbnb house will be moving out in a year. And she already said that, you know, uh, I made it very clear that I'd make it extremely easy for her and her husband. I buy, buy the house off of her. So I imagine in a year or so when they're ready to move, um, that that'll be the third Airbnb. Uh, but other than that, um, just I want to continue to grow the multifamily. You know, it just it just makes sense uh, for comparatively to being a nursing home administrator. I mean, being a landlord, especially with these quality rentals and doing the work that we do ahead of time to make sure that everything's in place and the systems that we have. Uh, for me, my life is uh, it, it's an easy life. You know, I feel comfortable that we can expand and grow that. Um, and I'm not too concerned about that for me next. Um, I think, you know, obviously for any progression, you know, uh, most investors will go into the commercial space. I think for me specifically, unless it's uh, like commercial multifamily, um, I think I'm really trying to, trying to target um, mixed use properties. So you can get a little taste of residential, I'm sorry, of commercial, but we obviously have the residential space taken care of. So that's what about yeah. Exactly. What about future markets for you guys? What's next? Are you going to stay in these three markets that you're in right now, or would you expand it? I think uh, I would look to the county seats of of the upstate of upstate New York. So Oswego, Oneida, maybe uh, Rochester, Amsterdam, New York, uh, expanding into South Utica and that market out there. Um, different portions of, of Schenectady and Albany and Saratoga. Uh, I think that we would expand out that way. Um, but I think for now, um, right now, I'm really just focused on continuing to grow these, uh, you know, grow the portfolio in the two neighborhoods that we're already in. There's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of owner-occupied properties. And I'm just focused on building relationships. You know, every I try to go out to Auburn at least once a week just to check up on the properties. And um, I just, uh, I, I talk to people, you know, that's been the best thing for me. Uh, I, you hear so many people on bigger pockets say, well, all you have to do is just go up and talk to somebody and that starts the conversation. And it's so true. Uh, I'll tell you uh, two. So obviously you heard my one off market story right now. I have two handshake deals in my neighborhood. 
One, uh, we're having a meeting tomorrow to get my maintenance superintendent and his family into the vacant unit of one house, which is by far the ugliest looking house and for six blocks on Stolp. Um, and I just was standing outside her house looking at it and this little woman, five foot nothing, tough as nails comes out and says, can I help you? And after an hour and a half of conversation and having her telling me all the horror stories of when she was a landlord 15 years ago and he listened to all the problems and things she didn't like about being a landlord, I said to her, I'm like, well, you know, I have a system and a process for all those things. And, you know, while you still want to live here, I can help you rent this out and make some money off of it. And even better, her and my maintenance guy, they really hit it off and it's going to serve me better. I'm not even worried about making money on the deal. I value having my maintenance team close and more importantly, in a happy situation for them. That's, that's good for me. And ultimately I get right of first refusal. And um, so if they want to sell it, you know, then it's going to be mine and I can wait, you know, this is a the long-term play for me. So I know that that, that house is in, is in the books and we're going to help her fix it up and give it some more curb appeal to make sure that the neighborhood stays a quality neighborhood. And then the other deal is right around the corner. I just happened to be walking with my dog and all I said was, hi, ma'am. How are you today? And the woman looked at me like I had six heads. And she said, you know, my family's lived in this neighborhood for a hundred years. She's the only family that's ever owned the house. And she said, nobody just stops and says hello. And sure enough, with a 10 minute conversation with her, she said, well, you know, I plan on moving to Florida to retire. And uh, you interested in my house? All it took was saying hi. That's it. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's just amazing. So for right now, you know, I feel really comfortable where we're at. I don't want to expand our resources. You know, if you go to those niche, you know, another market out in Utica, you're talking about a hundred, an hour and 20 minutes span of driving. I'm only one person and we're only, you know, we're a small team. So I think for right now, we're just going to focus in on the neighborhoods and continue to build relationships and start finding more off market deals like that. Yeah. I like that. And especially like, like you said, just saying hi to someone, just talking to someone building that relationship, building that future pipeline and making those connections is huge. I really like that. Um, let's head over to our next section of the show called the curious cues. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw some questions at you that we ask every guest and we'll get your answer. Brandon, you ready? Yep. Sure. Am. Awesome. Favorite podcast you enjoy listening to? Uh, I'd say bigger pockets. Okay. I think yeah. that's probably the most, uh, most common one. Yep. That one's pretty popular. A few people know about that one. Uh, what about favorite book you enjoy reading? So I have two that I'd recommend for the listeners. So the first is Turn This Ship Around. So this book is, uh, was written by, uh, by a Navy captain who just said, we're doing everything wrong. And create, it's all about creating layers of leadership at all levels. Instead of micromanaging everything that goes on in a, in a, in a ship, he said, we need to bump this down and we need to have all these leaders that we have here. We need to give them more responsibility. So it frees me up to just observe and follow. I, I use that practice. I've been in a leadership position for about 10 years now. And I've used that ever since uh, the, the most basic example I can give is when I worked at McDonald's. It, uh, my first management job, my first job ever. And I had this uh, at McDonald's, the coffee creamer says, so because it's a high cost item, it's a manager's responsibility to replace the creamer bag. It, anyone, a monkey could replace the creamer bag, but I had to do it. So I said, no, 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 no. I gave it to this girl who was very sharp. And I said, whenever you and I are working together and I'm in charge, that's your responsibility. And I don't ever want to have to worry about the creamer bag. That girl 
at McDonald's. She came up to me about two weeks later and more excited than you would have thought she won the lottery. She came up to me and said, Brandon, Brandon, Krista was working and 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 I did it. I just changed the creamer bag for it. And she was so excited. Like she got so much fulfillment just from doing something simple like that. So I'd recommend that to anybody. If you're going to be in a leadership position, highly recommend that. The other one that I'd recommend is Extreme Ownership by Jacko. Um, only because like, you don't, if, whether you're an investor or whether you just want, if you just want to take control of your life, just listen to it. Like so many times we blame other people for everything wrong that happens in our life. And you just have to take ownership of things. Like it's, it's just that simple, be accountable, you know, make sure you're on time. If, if you want something to be done, you are the only one who's going to do it for yourself. And if it doesn't get done, you're the only one that's to blame. And ever since uh, me and one of my best friends, we live by that and our lives have changed dramatically ever since then. So I'd highly recommend it for both. Uh, everyone take a listen to uh, a look at both those books. I like it. How about uh, biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome? So I'd say that the first one was uh, well, both of them just re- um, revolved around financing. So, um, you know, everyone, the two biggest issues are not enough deals, not enough capital, right? So I had the deal uh, in both circumstances. And I didn't quite know because of the, you know, the growing pains. I didn't quite know how to, uh, how to finance it. So I just had to come out of my shell and just ask people for money. You know, um, I, and it didn't really end up even happening like that. My, my attorney, he just said, um, yeah, you know, I'll just finance it for you until you fix it up and, and figure it out. So that took care of the first deal. Um, and then uh, I have a two property deal under contract. It needs a lot of work to bring it up to the standard that I would like it to be at. And I'm sitting here racking my brain. I'm like, how do I make it work when I have to you know, get rid of two tenants and do all this work? Like, how do I make this work and not overload me and my team and my, you know, my own capital? And I just said, I need somebody to come in as an investor who's looking, who's comfortable with taking a return for a short period of time. So um, I just talked to my financial advisor. I'm like, do you think that this is something that, um, that somebody would be interested in, you know, getting, giving this much money and within this year, getting this return? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he had one conversation with somebody else. And now not only are we going to partner on this deal, but there's going to be much more partnership moving forward. So the biggest hurdle was just asking the questions, um, that you need to ask and coming out of your comfort zone, out of your shell. Yeah. Again, just kind of having that conversation, just starting that, that conversation and asking it opened up a lot of doors for you. So I like that favorite non-real estate related hobby. So what do you like doing in your free time? So being in upstate New York, we have the beautiful mountains. I love just being outside. Anything, you know, I, that's why part of the reason why I love my neighborhood have a great park right behind my house. Um, just love being outside and, you know, going golfing, just anything to do with being outside, especially in Syracuse where you only get good weather so, so often. So really we've had a good October so far this year. That yeah. has been amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't complain. Not at all. As DJ's probably laughing because he's going to take his jet skis out like this weekend or something. I'm sure down there. Tends <laughs> to be a little warmer, a little later in the year and a little earlier. Yes. <laughs> I have family that lives right down in the Charlotte area, like where you guys are investing, and it is the weather's night and day. Definitely a lot more humid in the winter or in the it, summertime. It is. Man. So there, there's always pros and cons. Uh, but after living in Syracuse, <clears throat> excuse me, for 25 years, I, I do go outside and I understand this whole Carolina blue thing now. And it has to do with the blue skies because 
you'll get rain that passes through and then they're blue again. So like, oh, <laughs> there's that blue sky again. So not a bad thing. And Brandon, uh, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get started in real estate? So you have to, you have to learn. If you want to, if you want to do this, you have to commit to learning. You have to talk to people who do this. You have to do the homework and you have to research. Like there's so much material out there that will just teach you how to be a landlord or how to be an investor, but you just have to learn. You have to commit to doing it. You know, I have a lot of people who say they want to do it, but they're not doing the steps to actually do it. So that'd be the first thing I'd say. And then just ultimately just take my own advice and just go out of your comfort zone from time to time. Like, it is a, you know, I can see why anybody would be anxious to, you know, go and do this because if you've never done something before, you know, why, you know, why would you, um, but, or, you know, why wouldn't you feel anxious? But once you do it, then, you know, you just have to go outside of your comfort zone. So I would highly recommend that, you know, my, um, I, I did my first, doing my first land bank deal, buying the house for a thousand bucks. And, you know, even my agent who is, has a lot of confidence in me said, why are you doing this? You know, you've never done a construction project to this extent. And I, you know, I heed his advice. He's an advisor to me, but I just said to him, like, well, we can only say that until we've done it and then we'll figure it out if it was a good, you know, a good idea or a bad idea, but the numbers make sense. I feel confident in it and let's pull the trigger and figure out if this is something we're good at or not. So yeah, going out of your comfort zone, take action. Mm -hmm. I like it. Well, Brandon, this has been great. If you don't mind just uh, giving us your contact info, someone wants to reach out to you, talk to you about, you know, investing, has questions, your company, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. So you can check out uh, crossofpropertymanagement.com or crossofcpm.com. Um, not really on social media that much these days. I got to say my, my life's been, found a lot more free time or a lot more time to, you know, focus on business as soon as I got rid of social media. But anybody can shoot me an email across the property management at gmail.com and love to talk about real estate or just find anyone else who's like-minded or somebody who needs a little bit of push to get out of their comfort zone. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in this week. We really appreciate your time and we'll be chatting with you soon. Thanks for having me guys. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.